Welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. You should know that this episode was also recorded in video and can be watched on our website at theundrapedartist.com and also on YouTube at the Undraped Artist Podcast. Also, check out our show notes to learn more about today's guest. I hope you enjoy the show. Before we get started, I just have to take a minute to thank each one of my generous patrons for your part in keeping this podcast going. If you're not a patron yet, but you love the show and you listen regularly, please consider becoming a patron. It's really easy to do and it doesn't have to break the bank. Just head over to theundrapedartist.com and click on the link, Be My Patron on Podbean. And then choose a monthly donation amount that fits your budget. It's that simple. And to thank you for your generous donations, once you've reached $100 in total contributions, send me an email to theundrapedartist at gmail.com and I will send you one of our spectacular undraped artist aprons. Thank you again for your support. Thank you for watching and listening. Hope you enjoy the episode. Ron Hicks, welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. Hey, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. It's great to have you. And it is particularly nice to have you because you had a rough week and it's been hard to get together. So I'm really glad we're finally getting together. Yes, the, the stars have aligned. The universe is, is leveled out. We're, we're, we finally made it happen. Yeah, I'm really glad. <laughs> So uh, let's get started by just maybe talking a little bit about your background, where you came from, how you got into the painting field. Oh my goodness! Um, uh, it actually starts pretty early. Uh, if I if I go back to uh, my mother, she yeah. was uh, an artist of sorts, and um, she didn't show any galleries or anything like that. But she uh, she um, took a correspondence course. And if you could draw Tippy the turtle. It was back in one of those magazines, like time life or something. You too could be a famous artist. It was that. Yeah, sort of I did that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you drew the turtle. I did. I drew the turtle. <laughs> oh, you did too. Huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> See, it works. <laughs> um, but she used to have all these like, you know, books like laying around with, you know, um, you know, I, I would see these marked up this is you know back during the time when you know it was like you'd have to mail everything off and then it would come back you know and marked up and you know and so i would like and i was probably about four years old at that time so i was just kind of you know seeing the things in the in, in the books and i would just draw them uh, uh, and at that point i already had this natural ability just to decipher like information i, I wouldn't say i was like a, a master at drawing or anything like that but um you know when it came to like Hot Wheel cars and uh, superheroes. I was really good at that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of a, like an introduction. And my, my mother was always like pretty um, um, supportive of me getting into the, uh, the uh, into the arts. And I think from then I, I went to my uh, to kindergarten, you know, early education, and I. I would, um, I had a number of teachers that were, you know, would kind of look at me and say, you know what, you know, this guy's got something going on. I, I you know we should 
kind of push him in a, in a, in a, in a, in a you know, you know, to, to pursue this thing. So they would let me do like these, uh, like I'd start like these little murals on the, on the desk. And then back then, you know, it was like those little tiny desks with, that was connected to a chair. And so in each one of my classes, and there weren't that many back then, I would <laughs> draw like these little murals on the, uh, I'd start at the beginning of the uh, semester and, you know, I'd work my way across, you know, and they wouldn't tell me to. On the desk itself, like directly on the desk? Yeah. What? On the desk. They allowed that? Would... <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. What? Uh, I'm not sure what happened to the desks afterwards because they, they would disappear and then like the next school year would, would, would start. But yeah, they would let me kind of doodle all the way across and it wouldn't, 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 wouldn't stop me. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. But I filled the whole thing up with this, you know, uh, and of course, it, you know, it was in pencil, you know, so they got, it got a little, you know, smudgy or whatever. Oh, you know, okay. So they could probably wipe it off. You could still see the drawing though. They didn't, it didn't like disappear. And, and then when I had to work, I'd put my paperwork over the top of it and work and then, you know, continue. So I always had like a, uh, someone that was looking out or, you know, kind of pushing me in a certain direction. So um, I had, uh, my parents moved to uh, Denver, Colorado, where I'm at now, uh, when I was two years old. Uh, originally, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. And um, we moved back to Columbus, Ohio when I was uh, 14. And that's when I started to go into the, um, well, let me back up a little bit. I had a number of teachers there that, that at this school called Westland High School. And it was an amazing school because their art department was like, it was like being on a campus, you know, the whole school was like, like being on a campus and they, well, the art department had, you know, everything that you could imagine, you know, like drawing, painting, ceramics, jewelry, uh, you name it, they did it. And wow. they had a wonderful connection with uh, a number of the organizations around in the area. So they were constantly like, plugging like students into like specific, you know, like schools or something that uh, would match like their interests. And so um, when I was in my um, last couple of years of high school, the uh, Columbus College of Art and Design had a, a Saturday school. And uh, they said, hey, no, you need, you should apply for this uh, the scholarship and, you know, you can, you can, you can attend their, their Saturday school classes. And, and I did and, and got in. And there they had models set up and, you know, you would draw them. Um, they were, of course, clothed and things of that nature. But, you know, it was sort of my first interaction with like like live drawing and uh, uh, during, during that, the course of that time. And you're like 14, yeah. 15 years old at the time? Yes. Okay. And eventually I got a, a scholarship to go to the Columbus College of Art and Design. And... Um, Went there for a couple of years, and um, I was majoring in fine art and minoring in illustration. And then there was this moment where I was listening to people. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, well, what are you going to do with that? And I thought, gosh, I should probably do something, you know, when I get out of here so that I can actually have a job. Yeah, <laughs> the backup plan. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, you know, back then it was sort of like this uh, – in an old school way of thinking, just like, you know, you need to get a job and you stay there for like 30 years or whatever and, 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 and you work. So, you know, not that it, I think it wasn't that it scared me or something like that, but I was just listening to people going, well, wait a minute, you know, what if this, you know, what, what am I going to do if, uh, you know, once I, you know, graduate here? 
So I eventually came back to Colorado because my, 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 my mother moved back to Colorado. And um, um, I decided to come back and visit. And then I there is a, a school um, here locally called the uh, uh, Colorado Institute of Art. So I decided, well, gosh, well, this has a graphics program. So what I'll do, you know, after I finish there, I'm going to come, I'm going to, uh, I went to the, the, uh, the Colorado Institute of Art and got a degree in advertising design, thinking that I was going to love that. Did you already well, have a degree in a BFA? No, I left early. Oh, you left uh, early. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then I came, you know, to Colorado to, you know, to get something that I thought was going to be you know, like, like practical. And the problem with that was it was a decision that wasn't a heartfelt one because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. It was something that I thought that I, I, I should do. But the amazing thing that happened, and I think this is how, um, uh, I just think that, you know, life just, you know, puts you in the right spot at the right time, you know, uh, some, you know, at least in my case. Um, I know a lot of the guys because that, that was, you know, going to the Columbus of, College of Art and Design, you know, I had a good friend, you know, he's still working in the, uh, uh, he's in, in on the advertising side. Um, uh, he's always calling me up going, hey, man, I wish I could do what you were doing. Because he was mm -hmm. painting at that time, too. But he decided even there to go, uh, uh, he was he was on a different path, you know, at the, at the school. And I thought, well, you could always do it. And he, but he's never really, you know, moved over into actually doing it. And a lot of the guys that were going to the school, you know, um, like Hallmark or some of the um, companies would kind of snatch them up like, uh, uh, and uh, this is back when, um, uh, I think, you know, in Kansas City is where they had one of their, their, their hubs and they would, you know, they would recruit a lot of the artists that came out of there. And I, I know some that, you know, went out um, and are successful artists now and some that just didn't, you know, do much after that, you know, they got into making like greeting cards and, and um, um, and things of that nature. Yeah. And so when I uh, moved back to uh, Colorado and then I got this degree in advertising and design, I ended up working for a couple of different um, agencies. And the problem for me with that was I still had this um, um, desire to paint. Now, let me back up a little bit. There was one, well, actually a couple of amazing things, but one in particular uh, you know, when I went back to school, I met this guy. Um, he was the uh, drawing and uh, painting instructor at the at the school. So they were they actually had drawing and painting classes too. And so, in the midst of all this, you know, you know these like the design classes and things of that nature. You know, then there's this guy that um, uh, um, his name was Rennie Bruin, <laughs> and he was one of the most uh, interesting char uh, characters. And he could really paint and and uh, and he had a, an impeccable way of drawing too. Um, but he was the first person that started talking to me, uh, which kind of resonates with where I'm at in my career, right, even to this day, and why I even had some of the, you know, and we'll probably talk about this as I continue. Um, but kind of set my foot in a, you know, in a certain direction or a certain, gave me like a certain mindset. Because when I first started, you know, this whole art thing, you know, I was kind of, under the impression that, you know, if you could draw something and you make it look exactly like whatever that something was, then you were like a, you know, an artist and that's all it took. And you were, you're like, that was, the, that, that's all that art was about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in college, especially from, you know, moving from 
Columbus and even back to uh, uh, Colorado, I was starting to be, you know, introduced to a lot of, you know, like, like abstract artists, you know, Stephen Korn, you know, Klein, you know, all these people uh, that started to intrigue me and even some of the impressionists. So after I graduated um, and I started working for this agency, I almost completely stopped painting and not because I wanted to, I was just tired because I, I literally would go to work and we would start working, you know, with, with a, a number of clients and it was like one after the other. And there was only a couple of uh, artists in the art department, you know, so it was like, you know, let's get this out of here. And I would sit there thinking, well, I'm going to design something crazy cool. And then they were like, look, Ron, we don't care about that. You should just, put Helvetica bold on it and get it out of here. <laughs> you mm. know, it was that sort of thing. So I started to lose um, touch with the art side and, and, and got into this grind. And I said, you know what, this is, this is just not for me. Mm. Uh, and I want to get out of here. <laughs> so um, I, I, I left that side of the business um, and I had a few stints here and there, but for the most part, uh, uh, it, it was sort of that advertising thing that just didn't do it for me. So I, I figured, well, what can I do to, uh, you know, be a happy in between. And so I thought that, you know, well, I started out this illustration thing. So I started to uh, um, put together a portfolio and show my book around, you know, town. But you know, the problem with that is I am um, not the best at doing that because there's the, the whole creative side and then there's the whole drama business side. And there were a couple of times when I came in to negotiate like a, a deal, you know, thinking that, man, I really got it that time. And they were just like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> and only to find that I probably undercut myself, you know, on, uh, on several things. So I started, you know, working, you know, uh, uh, doing some illustrations. So for me, it was sort of that in-between thing. I was, you know, still able to paint, but it wasn't, uh, um, you know, you know, like for galleries or on the fine art side. Uh, and um, it wasn't until a little bit later, I, I had a good artist friend of mine, and he's still doing a lot of illustration today, but he had uh, talked to a, a, he had an art rep. He said, you know, I, you know, I have this art rep and, you know, she might be interested in like, you know, seeing your work and maybe just taking it around for you. Have you ever thought about having a, you know, someone represent you? And I thought, well, not really, but it would be great for me. So when she came by and we negotiated, you know, a, a fee for what she was doing and she was able to, you know, because she'd been in the, the business for a while, she was able to um, negotiate like these uh, contracts that were well more than what I was getting for, like, 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 like my work. And, you know, she was there to facilitate like the, all the in-betweens, even if even as far as shipping and dropping off work and things of that nature. So for me, um, like her philosophy was, well, you could spend more time in the studio and, and I can go around and do these other things. And I thought, well, that's great. So I did that for, uh, uh, uh you know, a, a little bit now, um, I can keep going. This could get long and drawn out. <laughs> no, this is good. This, well, I want to get a sense of time though. So how many yeah. years were you so, in advertising? How many years did you do the freelance oh. illustration? So advertising only like maybe two years, not even if, if that, okay. because I really started to get, uh, you know, burned out on that in that situation. I said, you know, I can't do that. And my fear was if it got too good, if you want to say it like that, 
that I would be in this position where I would get stuck, you know, where it's like, well, too good as in too much money, too much financial security. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. And then I go, gosh, I have to stay here because I have to, you know, you know, support myself, you know, in some, in some sort of manner at that time, you know, I was sort of like, well, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it was more of a, a, a heart and, and let me get away from that situation kind of thing. I just, I, I just did not like doing it, um, especially uh, in between there. So I, there was a, I, I had a brief stint for a couple of different publications where we were, uh, um, and this was more on a commission basis though. This was uh, just after I completely just left the whole side of the industry, but I happened to be showing my book around. And then when some of the art directors found out that I was working, they were like, wait, would you mind coming in to, you know, like do some uh, illustration here? And then they found out that I knew a little bit about like, uh, like uh, stripping negatives and running a step. She was like, well, hey, could you, you know, so then I started doing some of those things again. I was like, nope, you know, I've got to cut oh, this. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I cut it completely off and, and just went full-time illustration. And that's when I met the rep uh, after that. So I would say time-wise, we're talking like the early uh, middle, middle 90s. Uh, all this was going on. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, okay. And so I did that for a number of years. Now, then that same friend that I was talking to you that turned me on to his rep, you know, we had, uh, had like this conversation. There was actually three of us. We had decided to, uh, you know, you know, do a three person show because I was doing more painting at that time. So I, did, uh, you know, been going to the, uh, you know, the Denver art students league, you know, and, uh, occasion i met uh, a wonderful friend of mine uh his name is kwang ho and he actually uh had the same teacher you know, it was kind of odd as a matter of fact rennie bruin and at the uh at the uh coloring store he said yeah you might want to go and and, and and talk to him at some point you know he was at the student and he's doing his thing and uh he was also doing some illustration and things of that nature so it was kind of nice to connect with him because he would always like maybe turn there's some jobs that he had that he couldn't do or something like that. Or we'd have like these conversations and he was actually teaching at the art students league for a little bit. And I ended up like taking a, 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 a class with him and I uh, eventually was doing the, the monitoring for the class. So it was kind of cool. Cause at that point it was like, well, you don't have to pay if you're the monitor, you just have to, you know, make sure everything is straight, clean up and do that sort of thing. So, um, this, uh, that was sort of like the, uh, you know, my life at that time. But at any rate, getting back to this, um, this three person, uh, um, show that I decided to involve myself in. We, I had a friend, uh, uh, two friends and, uh, I had a, a friend that was an illustrator and he, um, owned this. He was doing pretty amazing because he did a lot of like designs for like Harley Davidson, uh, these really cool illustration product illustrations. It was some really uh, uh, unique, um, um, some airbrush, some drawing. You know, it, it was he had this unique style, but he had he actually had a couple people working with him too. You know, he had a, a team. At any rate, in front of his studio, he had this space that was like a. Um, just open just an open space with his just images where he would just display his work and so um you know he's he was an illustrator and uh, you know I, I said hey you know what do you mind if we uh, lease this out so we can use this whole area and just you know put on mm. a show and he was 
yeah, that would be great. Yeah, it's cool, whatever you want to do. And so I'd say, because I'm not exactly, you know, it's, it's been a little bit, you know, throw a dart at the wall and we figured out a date. <laughs> and um, it was in like in December. And um, the thing that was odd about this particular show, so this is one of my first shows, if you will, um, is the, the we did it on the same day as our Parade of Lights. Now, our Parade of Lights is this big um, uh, parade that is for Santa Claus, it's for Christmas, you know, so there's all these floats and things of that nature. And his um, studio happened to be located, like, right in the heart of that, uh, I guess it would be the staging area for this this, this event. Uh, <laughs> and so we're sitting there looking at each other, you know, on the day that it opened, it's like, like whose bright idea was this, you know, um, because you'd have to really work your way through all of that in order to get, you know, oh, to no. the gallery. Some people made it through. I mean, I, there was a, several people that made it through and it was, it was one of the cheesiest kind of situations because we, um, I think we had mustard pretzels and sparkling, I don't know what it was like with sparkling. It wasn't wine or anything like that, but it was something, you know, it, it wasn't the most, it wasn't the finest situation, let's put it that way. And, um, but what happened on that day is there happened to be uh, a couple people that came through and, you know, and uh, bought a couple paintings of mine. I thought, oh, cool. You know, so my mustard pretzels were paid for, you know, that's my point. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, so the thing that happened that was interesting is, is um, David was the, on the, on this, his, his studio there. He said, "Hey, you know what? We were actually thinking about turning this into a gallery." And this was like shortly after that, and um, he said, "If we we do do that, would you be interested in showing some of your work here?" Why not? Um, and at that time, I had taken a job like. Um, is working for a satellite dish company called Prime Star, and they eventually got bought out by DirecTV. And I wanted to do a job that where I didn't have to think, and then I could, you know, have a studio. Because at that point, I really was under the of the mindset that regardless of whether I'm gonna get paid to do any of this art thing, I just wanted to paint. And so I did something, you know, that was not related, and then I was able to paint, and I was happy. So I was able to. Um, you know, Lisa studio, you know, um, you know, you know, during that time. And so I told David, you know, I said, yeah, I would, I would love to. So, it, and, um, he, uh, um, I guess, and a, a good friend of mine now who, uh, her name is Rose uh, and she was uh, instrumental in being sort of the, uh, the director of the gallery. And that's what she turned into, um, maybe curated, uh, curated, you know, like the, the shows and things of that nature. So I, I gave them, I think it was like five paintings or something like that. And they, they sold them, uh, all of them. Wow. And then they were like, Hey, Ron, you know what? Um, you should, you know, do a one man show. And I thought, okay, well, um, that's cool. I'm just working for prime star, but I have to tell you, um, I can only work so much because, you know, I have to balance everything against, you know, my work schedule and things of that and things of that nature. <clears throat> so I um I think I gave them probably about when it was all said and done, and this was probably maybe six to eight months later, I can't remember to be quite honest with you. Um but I gave them uh, probably about twenty-four paintings or so. 
24 new paintings in under a year yeah holy crap you were really busting your tail oh yeah well see back then um unlike now (laughs) for some reason i didn't need to sleep it was really weird but now i try to do it and it's like it's like i'm like (laughs) out yeah (laughs) it doesn't work more like that um at all but back then i was working like uh, you know go to work immediately get off loved painting so it didn't feel like it was you know you know you have that you're you're hyped and you just you're just in the in your space and just creating it didn't feel the time just was like just went by i didn't really notice it um but yeah i did 24 paintings and they weren't super huge maybe the, I, I think out of the grouping there was probably uh maybe two or three that were on the larger side of uh, the, the the rest of the the show was like uh, on the medium to small side mm-hmm. um and they um they sold all those paintings. All of them. Yeah, they sold all those paintings. And the cool thing that happened at that same time, and this is how this whole circumstance, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, back when I left from the uh, the uh, Columbus College of Art and Design and, 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 and came back to Denver, I was like, gosh, maybe I should have stayed on that end. And maybe, you know, and then so I'm starting to see how this, this pattern, as I look back at my life and all these events sort of worked its way out to, you know, I'll put it this way. I don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing right now in this way if I was somewhere else. Let's put it that way. Okay. So, um, so, so here's the circumstance. So, what happened to have ha- we happened to have our Artists of America show here. This was the big show that brought in all these national artists from like everywhere, and it was probably from where this gallery was. It's probably maybe you could almost walk. You know, it, it was that close you know um uh maybe two blocks three 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 or four at the most if you if you go around the corner so at any rate the um the show happened to uh someone happened to be at 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 that artist of american show and said hey you know what if you really want to see some work you need to go down to this spot that's just you know right down the way you know there's ron hicks is there and he's got a show up you know so I found out later uh, that, you know, someone from the Meyer Gallery in Park City came and they bought, you know, uh, the largest piece and, and another one, you know, and I think they took it back to the gallery and, you know, did whatever with that. And then they called all the Rod Hickses in the in the phone book at that time. And said, Are you, you serious? Right, yes, we would like to represent you. And I said, uh, okay, you know, but before that happened, um, um, an interesting thing happened at the David Yule Gallery because they started taking on like other artists and things of that nature. They uh, and they took on an investor in that gallery, and the investor was just like, "Well, why isn't this guy like painting full time?" Um, That's what um, I'm wondering. You had a sellout show. At what point were you planning on quitting? Well, because it wasn't okay. So let me let me let me put uh, this in a way that. It was more important for me to have, I felt like that was a comfort thing for me. So I'm like, I'm just painting, you know, and I was painting without any um, influences, so to speak, you know, just being able to like create. And so for me, I was just like, well, I don't see a problem. This is, this is working for me. But what happened with the, uh, the gallery here in Denver and the Meyer gallery, the same thing happened. I gave them like five paintings. They sold all of those. Did a one man show. They sold all of those. 
And so the investor in Denver said, why isn't this guy painting full time? And so what happened to us, he said, look, you will tell Ron Hicks that he will quit his job. We will pay him regardless of whether he sells the painting or not. Good for you, man. And I said to myself, gosh, if I'm ever going to do it, this is the time to do it because I can always go back to doing that. And I'm sure they had more confidence in the, in, you know, in the fact that they, they would sell paintings. Yeah. Um, and so, so I started, uh, uh, I agreed to a, a one-year contract with them with a, a year renew for them. Um, and of course they, they exercised that option, but what it allowed me to do was not only, you know, paint for that, uh, uh, uh the, the Meyer Gallery, but then I was also able to just freely paint without having the the whole job thing uh, become a part of, uh, of my dynamic. So it was kind of freeing in that sense too. Um, hmm. And then shortly after that, and we're talking like this is probably ninety eight, ninety eight, ninety nine, maybe. Um, I get a call from New York, you know, and um, the Arcadia Gallery, and uh, you know, Steve over there was like, hey, you know, I've been following your work and I I, um, I would like to represent you, you know. And I thought, oh, first I thought it was a joke, to be quite honest with you, because, you know, I was getting, you know, we were, they were, we were doing some advertising in some of the galleries. So I was getting all these calls from, like, you know, places, you know, and people and I thought, OK, here we go. Another one of these calls. And he goes, no, 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 I'm serious. I'm from New York and um, we're, we're, we're starting a gallery, you know, and. Would be called the Arcadia Gallery, and um, we would like to to represent you. I've I've seen your work, and um, and we talk basically. Hmm. And then I thought, oh wait, this this is serious. Uh, so, and he had told me at that time. He said, you know, I have a file on you. And Steve is very, um, uh, he's on top of everything, and he actually literally had a file with some things that I couldn't even remember of myself in the file when I finally, you know, uh, he uh, flew me down, you know, to, to visit the gallery and things of that nature. But this is incredible. But um, I did send him some work and, you know, at first he was kind of looking at, you know, like, oh, are these wholesale? You know, what's going on with these prices? I was like, no, that's the, and he, he say, pretty much said, hey, let me, let me tell you, you know, cause I, I see where you're going. I know what you're doing, you know, let, you know, let, let, let's have a conversation, you know, and, you know, should they sell? Fine. If not, you know, we can, we can part ways. So I think I had sent him five paintings as well. That was my, my thing, five paintings. Um, and he, uh, um, you know, after we got off the phone, he said, I'll call you back and let you know. So he calls me back like the next day and says, well, we sold all those paintings and here's what we sold them for. Um, and so there was an ultimatum for me at that, I shouldn't say ultimatum, but there was that, he said, you know, you can take the red pill or the blue pill, whichever one you want. Yeah. Um, but you know, everything would have to be consistent, you know, so across the board. So wait, wait, can uh, you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? What do you mean? Everything would have to be consistent. Well, okay. So, so I actually took like a, like a, I doubled my prices overnight. <laughs> oh, the pricing would have to be consistent. So he wasn't saying you're going to have to paint the same thing for the rest of your life. He's no, saying no, no. Pricing. Okay. Okay. No, no. He was just saying, you know, um, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the world of the gallery, you know, you can't, you know, um, have all these. Right. You can't prices. undersell another gallery and one gallery exactly. undersell another gallery. Yeah. Yes. And he said, I, I, I understand if you don't want to do it, but that's fine. But I thought to myself, well, this is an excellent opportunity. 
Um, and, you know, uh, during the course of that series of events that happened, uh, you know, uh, you know, for I, I say less than like less than three years, you know, I was painting full time and I haven't stopped since then. So that's really how everything um, got started. I know that's wow. a long way So, okay, I've got a couple questions. So are you still with Meyer, any of those three galleries, Meyer, Arcadia, or the first one? I don't remember the name. Okay, so I am with the Arcadia Gallery. Um, the uh, David Yule Gallery, he uh, is now Gallery 1261. I don't know if they they um, ended that entity or if it morphed into Gallery 1261, but the, the Gallery 1261 is in that same space. So I am a part of, okay. uh, of that situation. The Meyer Gallery, um, they had more of an eclectic mix of, of, of work. And um, I think the clientele for me, uh, you know, just couldn't keep up with, you know, the, the, well, how the pricing structure had started to change. So I think, you know, and then their dynamics started to change a little bit too. So I think that we sort of just, you know, slowly parted ways. Right, right. So you say you started painting around the late nineties, correct? Full-time, full-time with Arcadia and, and so on. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. So how much has your work evolved since the late nineties? Were you already kind of in the zone that you're in now? Or has it changed significantly in the past 25-ish years? I would say to the uh, uh, to the onlooker, if you were to look at uh, my work, you would probably say that it's changed dramatically. Really? Um, I think it was um, more representational. Um, uh, I would, let me see if I can, um, I think back then, there's this uncovering that this, this veil sort of that's been lifted. Uh, and some of the dialogue that I do now in my paintings is, is, is exactly the same as what I was doing like years ago. The only thing is I would cover them up for, um, because I thought that that was the thing that I should be doing. Um, and which gets me into this, this philosophy of how I see art now. Yeah. Uh, and I want to hear, people. I want to hear all about that. We talked a little bit about this at the Portrait Society of America, where you congrats, by the way, for your award there last year. Now, oh, thank you. Now, you were in great company, so that was um, that was quite an accomplishment. But yeah, yeah. what's that? I said it was actually unexpected. It was, uh... Well, it's interesting because you, I don't think of you as a portrait painter. But I've talked about this yeah. with other guests. The Portrait Society is going so far outside of the traditional portrait painter these days yes. that they're really bringing in a lot of diverse artistic voices, which I think is amazing. I mean, we've got That's this awesome. painting on your website. This the front, the first page of your website, the homepage is clearly a portrait, but yeah. your work is not about the portrait. No. Yeah. So it's tell me a little bit about that. You, you mentioned conversation. What do, what do you mean by this conversation that you've been having since the nineties and you still have today? Okay. So, I've always started, uh, I've always, see, so the way I see art, um, art now, and I'll, I'll tell you at the very beginning, as there was this undoing, if you will, when I first started painting, and let's go back to that four-year-old Ron, uh, mm -hmm. it was sort of, and I would do whatever I did because I felt like it was something I would do. So I would express myself freely without any training, without anything. It's just what I did. Mm -hmm. And slowly as I seeped into the, um, 
the uh, the education of art, then all of a sudden there were these rules and things, you know, where it says, well, this is what good composition is. This is what good drawing is. This is what good painting is, you know, and you would see like these flashes of, you know, various artists and you could resonate with some of them, some maybe not, but there were always, you know, there was always this um, <clears throat> thing that you had to compare something to in order to like measure yourself against that thing, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're basically so, saying realism. <laughs> you were drawing things. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. I'm really excited to talk about this topic mm -hmm. um, because one, we talked about it at the Porch Society when we met at the Porch Society last or this past year. But also uh, because this is a discussion I've had with other guests because it's something that I've struggled with. And that is defining what art is you know because i'm with i'm with you i remember early on in my career feeling like ooh, i can draw so well i'm an artist like that's the end all be all drawing well meaning i can make that apple look like an apple i can make that face look like a face and so i've arrived but as i've matured in art i realized that's just the craft and there's so much more to it so i'm really anxious to hear your your thoughts on this topic first of all i'm going to start with a question how did you move past that? Well, yeah, that's interesting because it, it, it actually started back in like in the like early you know, like uh, 2000s. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I got to this point where, you know, in doing it, you, you know, when you get proficient at something, all of a sudden, I'm not going to say it wasn't challenging, but I, I, I started to look at the, you know, the reason I was doing it, why I was doing it. Yeah. And I came to this conclusion that there's got to be more to it than just this transference of information. It can't just be solely your your whole art, uh, this whole idea of art, if you really want to call it art, can't be solely about just regurgitating some rules and regulations or, you know, a, a way or even a technique for that matter. There has to be something more to it because I think we as artists and and so I, I, I sort of redefined what that actually meant to me. So. Um, just because you can draw or you can decipher something doesn't necessarily mean that you're an artist. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, a composer, you know, versus someone that can actually read uh, 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 sheet music. You know, just because you can read the sheet music doesn't mean that you can compose a song. You know, so I think that, um, and, and I don't want to separate it like there's this higher calling or anything of, of that nature, because I think wherever you lie in the in the uh, or wherever one lies on the, on the, on their level of what they consider to be art is just what they consider it. It's just for me, I had these questions. I said, wait a minute, if it's just about this, then I know there has to be more. There has to be something more to it than this. So the, um, you know, my uh, instructor, you know, in the, at the, the um, Colorado Institute of Art, you know, he really started, uh, you know, the way he taught was very different in there. It was, it was more uh, an abstract way of teaching it. So it was very different than my experience at the Columbus College of Art and Design because it was really structured. And, you know, we did a lot of, you know, like, uh, you know, couldn't touch color for a while, you know, cast drawings, things of that nature. And then, you know, he was sort of just like, well, let's look at, you know, some of these things, you know, like abstractly. So he started to break down these these ideas, you know, visually in, in, in more of an abstract way. And then I kind of took it even further because I'm of the, of the mindset that in order for me to truly understand what I'm doing, and this is kind of what I, you know, what, I, what I'm teaching now, uh, you know, what I'm doing to understand what I'm doing as an artist, I have to understand who I am. 
first. And I have to understand what makes me tick. And, I, and so all those things that we, we uh, let's see, like you learned in, 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 your, in your training, you know, there's color, but then there's your color. You know, there's composition and then there's how you see composition. You know, there's value and then there's how you see, uh, uh, you know, value. And then there's this complex um, circle of how you fit all those things together to make the statement. And I think the statement that you make is not necessarily just one of, of you know, practicing, you know, uh, uh, like a, a, a technique, as I mentioned, or or you know regurgitating a a, a rule that you learned in school. It's almost kind of like uh, if you got up, you know, every time I'm getting back to the music analogy, and you just had a sheet of music in front of you, and then you took that sheet away. Would that mean that you were no longer a musician, or you know, could, is, could you even could you create in that space without having those 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 tools? And so. If I go back to me as a young child, no one told me how to draw. I just did, you know, and a lot of things were very, very recognizable because I had people asking me to draw them and things of that nature. But no one told me, you know, how to do that. Not until I got into like art school that all of these rules and regulations started. Even um, some like I, I think I was told, you know, don't put black on your palette. And, and for years I was like, Ooh, no, I'm not going to touch black, you know, because someone told me that. And then one day I was experimenting with black and I was mixing it with like other colors. And I, all of a sudden there's, you know, and even mixing it with like, you know, with, with white. And there was this whole another range of, 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 of tones that was created out of that. I go, well, why was I doing that? You know? And so I started to discover that, you know, I have to figure out who I am to understand what it is, what my contribution is, you know, to the art world. And for me, once you become proficient at, you know, being able to decipher information, then it has to be something else. You know, what are you saying? You know, what are you trying to express? And I'm not going to say that some of those things we, you know, learned when we first started is not important, but there are a lot of people that, you know, operate in the emotive side and make these amazing paintings and they don't have a stitch of any of that training. And it's like, well, where does this, where does this, where do we, where do we lie in this? Hmm. So my, for me, it's really about seeking what my truth is. And so, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I, can you expound on that I phrase think, a little bit? Seeking what my truth is just because that, yes. that truth is such a, it's becoming yes. uh, cliche right now, you know, yes. with everyone's got their own truth. But what, what do you mean as it relates to art? Do, do you mean your taste, your personal taste, your personal aesthetic, your it's, outlook it's, on the world? It's, it's all of those because I, I think, I believe that you are not different from your art. You know, a lot of people think, right. you know, there's me and then there's what I do over there in the, in the studio. They really shouldn't be separate. You right. are your art. Your art is you, you know. So if you're expressing and you're expressing a different way, once you get to your art, then all of a sudden that's kind of a pretentious way of like creating, you know, you're sort of like becoming something else instead of actually expressing you. So when I say literally, you need to figure out who you are so you know what to do. I really mean that. And so my, my, my truth. And when I speak of these truths, the truth is how do I understand myself? So I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Because there's a lot of people that they'll come to me and they'll say, yeah, I, I want to take your class because I want to loosen up. And then I'll say, well, why? What does that have to do with you? 
you know, is there a reason for that? And you, so if you could quantify that, if you could tell me what that means to you, it's like, I need this because blah, 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 blah. Then I could, huh. I could understand it. So you're kind so of I'll saying give, you are what you make, right? That's <laughs> Instead exactly of you are what you eat, you are what you make. So this, is this a Absolutely. chicken or the egg thing though? Because you're, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and I, this is a genuine question. I, it might come off a little argumentative, but it's not intended to. It's gen, genuine curiosity here. <laughs> but you're, you're saying you need to figure out who you are before you create art. But you're saying, but you're all saying we are what we make. So wouldn't the answer be to make things to determine who we are? And then and look at what we make and then and let that define who we are, if we are what we make? I would say in part, yes, but not completely. Okay. okay. Um, because I think that we are not just made, you know, who we are. We are we are a collective group of experiences, you know, and things that sort of hone us or change us or, or move us into a certain uh, space. Right. But uncovering what that is and separating some of those things, because like, for example, I'll go back to my uh, using the black on my palette. You know, I I didn't do it because someone told me not to, but that wasn't because I wasn't I didn't look at black and go, I shouldn't use that. See, so I had to understand, uh, well, why can't I, you know, or I explore that. So th- I'm not saying that you can't explore to understand who you are because you do. This honing process is really a part of chipping away some of those things or removing some of those layers. Uh, so in a vacuum, uh, was, without influence, we might be able to exactly. just make something and go, well, yeah, that's definitely who we are. The problem is we're all tainted by our environments and our teachers and our. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And, so we have so, to shed some of those things. Exactly. So you have to get rid and and it's very hard because I, I've, I've talked with a, a lot of people and even, you know, mentored some on, on occasions. And it's very hard because some of this stuff is ingrained into our DNA to such a point where you can't see past, you know, the idea. Well, in, in, in this case that I'm speaking of, that you can't see past the ideas of realism to see that there is there's more to this art thing than just that, you know, mm-hmm. if you allow yourself to be open and free. And if you do allow yourself, then you might have like these discoveries that may not necessarily change what you're doing, but it might change how you do it as opposed right. to, and you know, as, as, because I, I've, I can't tell you how many times I go, gosh, well, you know, I labored over this painting for like three months, and, you know, it was torture and I hated it. I was like, that's interesting. I don't know. Why would you want to do that? Um, uh, when you could just create like freely, it, it, it's very hard, you know, like in, in my experience, mm. you like, to tell someone you just to not quoted me. You just quoted me. I say that all the time. Oh my What's, gosh. Uh, what, yeah. Just, just, um, I, that's how I feel when I paint oftentimes like, oh my gosh, this is brutal. You know? Yes, so yes. this is, yeah, you really. So hitting a that's when I asked myself yeah. <laughs> is, am I supposed to be doing, is this me? Is it, am, 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 am I supposed to be putting myself, you know, if it's a honing process or something like that, and you're trying to work yourself, do something and I guess, but, you know, sometimes it's not even that it's just, it's giving yourself permission. It's, 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 that's the biggest thing. It's fear actually, because we're, we're, we're guided by, I think by outside influences that are influencing what it is that we think we should be doing instead of doing what it is that we should be doing. I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> No, it doesn't. It makes sense. It definitely makes sense. So what about this? What about this way of looking at it? Because obviously things are, well, not obviously. I personally believe that there's a lot of ways to look at this stuff. It's not, 
there are, there are very few absolutes in the art world because because our, our it, human beings are so complicated and we're so different and we bring such different things to the canvas um, as far as our temperaments and our personalities and all of our quirks. Um, that said, I think what you're saying is true, but what about this idea that you might be suffering behind a painting even if it is who you are in order to because because of the the mere exhaustion of doing something that's harder than you're capable of doing you know what i mean and and that to me falls into that category of understanding yourself Okay. You know, what are your motivations for doing it? Now, if it's a labor of, of love, I, I don't see a problem with that. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's part of the, so I'm, I'm not saying that you should, everything should be easy and that you should not have these moment, moments where, you know, they, uh, you have struggles to uh, understand something or, or uh, uh, you know, in, in your, in your, in your creative side of it. I'm not saying that at all. But I think it's a constant honing, and like, and I, I don't right. think it's, it, I don't think it'll ever be finished until we're finished. You know, I yeah. think this is something that continues um, because there. But there are people that start, in, in, and I, I can't poo poo on it, if you will. Uh, they, they'll start out a certain way, and they don't change their entire career, and they end up, and that's all that they do, and and that's fine because maybe they've discovered what their truth. You know, your truth doesn't have to be something this this glorious. Uh, thing that's like out of this world where, you know, uh, this higher uh, uh, calling of sorts, you just need to come to whatever that understanding is and operate in that space. And that's what I think should be happening. Not necessarily mm. that you need to become a new creature or anything that, but if you're sitting around, in my opinion, and you're going like I was going, wait a minute, because I could have stopped, you know, then and just kept doing whatever it was that I was doing, you know, because it was, it was working. I was selling paintings and it, there's no problem with it, right? Um, but if something on the inside is saying, you know what, there's got to be something more to this, or something is not feeling right, you you have you owe yourself, you know, I would say to, to explore whatever that is or what it means to you. So it's an artistic way of creating. You may not change, you know, you may come full circle and find that I'm doing exactly what I'm doing, but it puts you in a different space. Yeah. So do you always or have fun painting? I mean, every time you paint, you're always happy and glad you're doing it. It's very different. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I used to start out, especially, you know, being an illustrator, you know, I'd have like a concept and I might do some sketches and things of that nature and then create something. Or if I was creating in my own studio, I would, you know, come up with something similar to that, you know, oh, it would be great to, you know, paint this or that. Or if it was a still life, you know, or something uh, or a person, you know, I'd set things up and, 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 and make it happen. But the difference now, and this is where there's this opening, you know, I would start out very abstractly, but now it's sort of this call and response for me. You know, I will lay down a shape. And then respond to that shape and there's no you know there it's just me and whatever i feel laying down and being comfortable with myself laying it down there next to something else and then responding to something else and then that leads to you know this whole um, discovery as i continue to work so the byproduct ends up being like this this whole adventure so i'd say yeah there could be some difficult times but not difficult in the sense of it's not a learning or growing or an exciting kind of thing. It's 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 more of a like, what do I do next? So some so frustration, are, some frustration, but you're not losing the joy of painting. No, because 
I've been, I've, I've come to the space where I'm in tune with when I get to those moments. Um, and I try to not work when I'm in those moments on a particular painting when I'm in that, you know, when I'm feeling like I shouldn't be, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Mm -hmm. no, so I'll, I'm, I might have two or three different things, you know, going at the same time, or, or I'll walk away from it and go, you know what, this is not time. It's not the time for me to add anything to this particular word because a, either I don't know, or I'm phoning it in, so to speak, where, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to do this because it's, it's, it's either in my safe space or I feel comfortable doing this uh, because I don't know what else to do. You know, it's, it's so, so I, it, there's this, there's this excitement, I guess, in the painting. So I'm excited to get back to the works. As a matter, as a matter of fact, yeah. um, there wasn't any, any intent for the, my, the current body uh, to be out in the public eye at all. And I happen to have like uh, one of my uh, you know, director dealers come up and was picking up some stuff, and I forgot to turn him around. You're kidding and he's like, me! Oh, this is exactly, this is exactly how it happened. And he goes, "Well, what, what's going on with that stuff over there?" And I was like, "Oh, it's just some personal stuff." Well, really? <laughs> why though? Why? Why did you separate? It's like you're you're. It seems to me you're always compartmentalizing your life. You you um, you, you wanted to keep that job so that you could paint freely mm -hmm. and have the security of the job and then you have the security of a painting career and you want to maintain that secure painting career and do a side painting career where <laughs> it's yeah. like you're always compartmentalizing why what do you uh attribute that to <laughs> <laughs> well i i do it like I, I i say it like this when it's time for a change yeah i think i'm different in this all of a sudden there becomes this conflict and then I'm in conflict resolution mode. So like, well, I have to do this, but I can always do this here. It's sort of like one of those things. Yeah. But now I'm at this space where I got to, I came to the point where, you know, I, I, I decided I'm turning the ship. I'm, I, you know, regardless of whether it's monetarily not the thing to do, I don't have a choice. So it, essentially what happens when I'm in these, the, these moments is they, they come together, you know, and all of a sudden it's like one of them has to win, you know, especially, you know, for my, my psyche. Right, and right. In this case, um, I feel as though I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I was to, you know, continue to do, and it's not that I don't enjoy doing those because every now and then I still will take a commission or something like that when I have some, you know, people that are just like, hey, you know, and it's kind of nice to dig back in it, but there's this different energy when that, that, that I have when I'm in this, this space where I'm creating um, out of, of uh, this, as I mentioned, call and response. This it's sort of more of a uh, you know. There's always going to be this, I think, figurative element to it. But then there's always this 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 abstract shape relational uh, kind of dynamic that really feeds my soul, and yeah. that becomes the most important thing to me. Hmm. We should be feeding our souls as, art, as artists, because otherwise it turns into. And it's not a bad job. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, if you're like, yeah, because and and I've talked to artists. And they're just like, yeah, I got to start another one of these. I'm thinking, that sounds so unfulfilling. Yeah, that would, you know, that, that's no place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, or I, I'm just going to crank these out so I can get them done. You know, and I thought, you know, that's, that doesn't sound very artistic. I'm not saying it is, isn't, but it just doesn't sound artistic to me. You know, my, my path is this when I paint. I get really intimidated. A lot of it's because I paint large scale usually. So it's, I'm not talking about little paintings. Mm -hmm. Most of my large scale paintings, I get really intimidated. I'm afraid to start. 
<laughs> and then because it's just so yeah. scary and daunting. Um, and then it's really fun. Once I get started, I get super excited. I'm like, this is the best, going to be the best painting I ever paint, which is never the case, but <laughs> And this is, <laughs> this is going to be my masterpiece. I'm finally going to do something really great. And then I get, I get halfway into it and it looks like crap. And that's when it starts to get miserable because it's like, oh my gosh, I suck at painting. I don't know why I'm a painter. I should be flipping burgers. And then, and then I finish it and then I'm like, oh, I'm not so bad at painting. Maybe I'll try another one. And then the whole cycle starts again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So that's why I ask you these questions about, cause I don't feel like I'm missing the joy of painting. I, I mean, I definitely have fulfillment, but mm -hmm. what you're describing to me sounds a lot different than what I just described to you. What you're describing to me sounds like you just hop in the studio in the morning and you are just thrilled to throw paint around from, from eight o'clock to nine o'clock at night. And just, that's all it ever is. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Somewhat, because I'll tell you, so, uh, for me, a lot of what I've introduced into some of the dialogue that's happening on the canvas is truly me. So a lot of the mark making, a lot of the, you know, digging into the canvas, it's really me processing on the canvas. Yeah. So, you know, no matter what the subject matter says, my work is really like a self-portrait. So all of that is dialogue that includes, you know, like some earlier thoughts. It could be, you know, what I'm going through emotionally that day. So there's this layers of these things that are happening, you know, around the subject matter that becomes just a part of me. So it's it's a release for me as well. You know, Interesting. So, yeah. So it's not just I'm trying I'm, I'm putting a subject. That's why when you said you showed the uh, the, the image a little bit earlier. They, they are not they are not just portraits they no. are they, they they are me there's some sometimes i'm writing in, in into you know underneath some of the things you know when I, i'm laying a thought down a title may come to me that has nothing to do with the painting at all and i'll write it into the uh in, into you know the dialogue just so i can remember it and then i'll write it on the side or something like that you know so there's all these thoughts that go into these paintings while i'm i'm, I'm creating that are that are just not do i have the right composition because i don't even worry about that anymore uh, because I think what? you don't worry about it. So no. you're just completely on autopilot at this point is what you're telling me. Yes, because I think intuitively we 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 start to discover or understand composition. And if you can throw it in the back of your uh, your your tool chest where you don't even think about you know using that, then you can express yourself. You know, yeah, it's, it's, I do it's agree like, with uh, that. I do agree that yeah. intuition. You know, because this is you know composition's a funny thing because we have all these rules of composition and particularly when you get into like the golden mean and sacred mm -hmm. proportions and all that stuff. And, and these people argue that this is something that everyone agrees on the rule of thirds, so on and so forth. And my thinking is, okay, well, if these things make everyone feel good when they look at them, then shouldn't the artist intuitively feel good when creating them? Why do we need to learn the rules? And, and it's almost I'll like take that's it one what, step further. Okay. Take it. <laughs> Why do we have to concern ourselves with that at all? Because ultimately, if you are creating, yeah, unless you know you're hired to do a commission or something like that, you know, ultimately, you are in command of whatever your dialogue is, and it should be pleasing to you first. And then, if the rest join in, that's even that's even better. But if not, to me, that's another blocker in the studio. If I'm painting solely for like, I got to make sure that, that guy gets this, or I got to make sure that, that person is comfortable with it, then I'm still not 
painting what I consider to be my truth, you know, unless in some way that's your truth is making sure that everybody's happy or something like that. <laughs> You're a you could, yeah. 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 But for me, the whole idea of this, this artistic journey is, um, um, really, uh, um, a soul, mind, body sort of experience with your paintings, no matter what style or however you do it. I, I think that there's more to it than just transferring this information. There's gotta be something else. And so my truth is really coming to understand what that means to me if I ever get to the bottom of whatever that is. So you mentioned a while back that you have students. Um, first mm -hmm. of all, in what capacity? Are you teaching online? You teach at university? No, I was teaching um, mainly uh, at the uh, Scottsdale Artist School. And then now, like next month, what is this? No, in September, I have a, a workshop in like Italy. We've got a, you know, where I'm presenting some of this, uh, uh, this, this dialogue. And it's okay. kind of opposite, you know, because people, are, you know, it's weird when you get in the class, you're kind of trained to want to see like a demonstration or something like that. But when, when I start to open up this um, class, it's not about that at all. Because, you know, you, you can understand someone's technique and you can understand it intimately enough to really, you know, to master it. But I think there's always going to be something a little bit different uh, from your expression to what that person uh, uh, um, uh, is trying to say. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I'll give you an example of what happened in one of my uh, uh, first classes. And by the way, I remember someone approaching me, <laughs> you know, one of the schools going, yeah, or would you consider teaching? And I was kind of like, no, I'm just not doing that anymore. I said, because if I was going to teach, this is what I would do. It would be blah, 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 da, 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 da. You know, I spilled all this up and they were like, well, that's perfect. And I go, oh. Um, so I was in one of the first class kind of teaching this, um, you know, tapping into your inner uh, voice. And I remember this this lady. I always tell this because I think it's it, it's important. So I, I I get it on as many things as I you know when I when I can get it out into the public. But I I remember this um uh, this lady in the class, and you know, and I'm not sure where she was from, but she said, you know, uh, we were having like this powwow. It was almost like you know, get out the couch and let's let let's have a talk because a lot of these things end up like that. It's there there's the art, but then there's the, the this this whole other thing that happens during some of the workshops that are not like just oh did i learn that technique it's like it's really kind of finding yourself it really yeah. truly is finding yourself so we're having this powwow and she says well i came here to 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 paint ron hicks you know and i what i took from that is she wanted to learn how you know my technique and learn how to paint like like me right and i said i said that's interesting i said well, let's just let's unpack this i said well, why do you want to paint like ron hicks and she says um because Ron Hicks' work, and she was talking like this to me. He's like, Ron Hicks' work makes me feel blah, 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 blah. It makes Oh, she doesn't know you're Ron Hicks. No, she knew I was Ron Hicks, but she was explaining. I was asking her, why do you want to paint Ron oh, Hicks? Oh, okay. I specifically said, why do you want to paint like me? And she said, so she goes in this explanation about what it is to her. So it, there's this stillness, there's this blah, 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 blah. She went down this whole elaborate thing, like uh, several sentences of this. And I was thinking to myself, wow. Um, and she was all said and done. And then after she stopped, I looked at her and I said, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> she goes, I said, so what you told me is what you felt you thought my work was doing to you. And honestly, 
that's what my truth is in part. It, you know, I really want to put the work out there and let someone interpret it however they want to interpret it and take it in. It's not for me to tell you how to do that or to dictate that. It's for you to just explore and experience it. And I said, think about everything you just told me. And then I mentioned a few of them, but I can't remember exactly what they were now. But you mentioned this, you mentioned that. Da, da, da. Those are things that you want to have in your life or in your art life. So the question is not, can I you know, paint like Ron Hicks is really, how can I get some of these things into my work? And then that's the question. Mm. So if it's not about this, then it's about this. So how do we work together to get that into your life? That's what we need to work on. And so that's where the conversation with that person started. So these workshops are like these individual mini camps for each individual, because everyone has their, a different way of seeing things or a different, you know, uh, uh, place that they're moving to. And, and some of them may not even understand where that is. Uh, yeah, but there, there's this discovery that happens as you can as we continue to, to have some of these conversations. Okay, but you obviously know principles of drawing and painting, and academic principles. Mm -hmm. So, how do you balance that with a student, or how would you? Let's say you created your own curriculum. Let's say you started mm -hmm. the Ron Hicks Atelier or Ron Hicks Academy, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. How would you balance? those principles with this um, truth that or, and, and allow the student to maintain their their truth because they can't do what you do and put these gorgeous faces on. I'll bring back this picture here. Mm -hmm. They can't do that without principles. So how would you balance that with a student? Well, I think it has to be taught at the same time. You know, because well, I think the difference from when I was having training is like, you got to, to class and the first thing it is, is we're gonna do this. It had nothing to do with the philosophy or the abstract way of seeing it. It was like, we're gonna do this and this, and this is how you, you, you decipher light and shadow. This is how you decipher, you know, these visual elements, you know, you can't work on, you know, here, you have to work on these drawings until you can, you know, you're proficient enough to move yourself on to something else, you know, so none of that had anything, none of that at the beginning had anything to do with, well, how do you feel about this? Or how, 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 can, how can I better understand who I am, you know, in, in this process? And so to me, if you have something very linear and you're going in this linear path and all of a sudden you at the very end of you say, okay, now you have to figure out how to express yourself. To me, it's hard to do that because you have so much in there that says you are structure, 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 structure. And then you're saying, okay, now be free and do whatever. Sometimes for very linear people, it's hard to get past that and move back because uh, and, and trust me when I say this, I've had people in classes, yeah, but rule 703-1 says that we have to do da 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 And I go, well, why? Uh, and so to me, if I was to start it out, I would start it out with like this equal balances of these things. You know, that yes, you would have some structure, maybe some understanding, but understand that just because you make a rule doesn't mean there's a reason not to do that rule or that just because there's a rule, there doesn't mean that there has to be, there, there can't be a way that you see that rule. Because I'll tell you when I first started, I was literally going, I have to, I must, in order to be a real artist, I really have to follow this to the T. But it said nothing about how I felt about that. It didn't say anything about what my emotional contribution to that would be. It just said, just do this. And I think that's what's missing. So hmm. we, we you know, sometimes there are artists that get past that 
and they grow into you know this on you know on their own but then there's some that will take some of these uh, courses and they just stay strictly to what it says and then at the end it says well i am now an artist because i can do this and they could be uh, one in 1,000 of doing the exact same thing. And sometimes I've gone to, to shows and I go, I can't tell that person from that person because there's no, there's nothing that says, you know, this is me. And and, and I think we as artists should be putting ourselves out there in such a way. And not that, not that it's going to be like, oh, my God, you know, if that, only Ron Hicks can do that. You know, and I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we characteristically, I think, we could give, I'll, I'll use an example. Back when I was in school, a long time ago, we had penmanship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then on the board there, you know, they would show you how to make, you know, cursive letters and things of that nature uh, uh, and how to write, you know, um, you know, standard notation and things of that nature. So there's a certain way that you would have to write those things. But all of a sudden, I look at myself now and of course, my writing is like chicken scratch, but it's me. <laughs> You know, right. I've taken the, the principles, but I've changed it to whatever it is that, that I do. Even my cursive, if people are still using that, you know, it becomes like something that you that becomes a part of you. So imagine that if everyone just said, you know, however they showed you with the perfect proportions of the, how the letters were created. You know, if you're not doing it like that, well, you you just shouldn't be writing. Hmm. Yeah, because you're not doing it right. OK, so. This is great. I feel like I should be paying you for counseling or something. Because <laughs> uh, um, you really got me thinking about a lot of you know, things that maybe I might modify in my own personal curriculum in my school. Um, but another question that comes to mind, though, is some of our many of us have this truth or these truths and that is insecurity um um the um laziness it could be self-doubt i guess that's kind of like insecurity um mm -hmm. you know or just this or just this uh idea that they're obsessed with a particular aesthetic because it's the trendy, cool thing. And a lot of young people, we all went through that, right? When we were young, we, we go for what's trendy. Um, and those things, in my opinion, can be real stumbling blocks when people are learning the academic side because it's they want to just jump right into the expressive without the academic. And now if you had done that, you wouldn't be able to do what you're doing. So when, mm -hmm. when you're teaching a student, if you were teaching a student, if you had the Hicks, Hicks Atelier, um, what, how would you prevent a student from moving into this more creative, expressive side of themselves before they're ready, before they have, they've, for reasons aside from laziness, insecurity, trendiness mm -hmm. those types of things do you know what i mean i'm i'm probably not yeah. expressing myself very well and well let me give you an example let's say i have a student mm -hmm. and um they're not the they're not the star of the class they don't draw particularly well but they have potential and then i give them assignments and i say hey but i want you to how would you do this how would you do that and so I start to see them gravitating away from the academics because the academics are hard and intimidating. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and they're yes. doing themselves a disservice 
because I've opened the door to being creative or mm -hmm. to being expressive. So now they're going to go through that door. It's almost like bringing dessert out before they finish their dinner, mm -hmm. you know? So how would you balance that? So I would say the interesting thing about that is if you eat that dinner and you know, like say the, uh, the, the more structured and, and then you get full, then what do you do after that? <laughs> you just destroyed my analogy. <laughs> that's good. So all I'm saying is that's yeah. why I think there has to be a steady, a steady dose of yes, there's this, but then you pull that in and then yes, there's this, but then you pull, you know, something, okay. there's gotta be a flip side to each one of those, those, those moments. So here's why you should understand this because this is the age old blah, 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 blah. But, with that said, I still need you to understand this from an emotional side. I still need you to express yourself. So there still needs to be, that needs to be fed in with all of it. So, so that you're not, so you don't have this creation where, because I don't know if necessarily trying to, I, I guess if I had to error on a side, I would like people to be as free as they could be with artists. Now, the fear or the, the problem with that is, you know, we have all of these, these, well, we have like galleries, we have institutions. Well, some institutions are not so much like that, but, but I, I just know on the representational side, you know, there's a certain look or certain feel, you know, that people are, you know, buying and, and the, the galleries are really, you know, uh, a lot of them are, you know, beholden to what, what their clientele wants. You know, it's not necessarily like, well, we got the artists and if, if you clients don't fit in too bad, it's not that. You know, so they can be very, um, uh, without doing it on purpose to say, God, I, you know, wish we had more of these kind of paintings. They, they can be very influential in saying, you know, what it is that they want when you're on that side of, because we know we can sell these things. So part of the problem isn't so much uh, that individual, it's just these expectations that we have, you know, at every level that really dictates what actually gets out into the public's eye, in, in my opinion. So when you're that student coming in and, and, and you're hungry and then you, you've you been, you know, you've had all these things thrown at you where you're seeing like, gosh, that's what real artists do. You know, they, they get into the gallery like that and then and then they, they, they have or they have this representation here. You know, so instead of seeing it from the artistic side, you're seeing it from maybe I say the dollars and cents side, but something different than, uh, you know, motivation from, you know, from. What I consider the true artist inside of you has like that. I keep going back to my earlier self when I created my own little world as a four-year-old. You know, I didn't care what everybody else thought. I just wanted to express myself however I, however I chose to express myself. Right. And now it's almost like you can't do that because, well, how do I get in the gallery? Mm -hmm. Although you know, you've then, managed then there, to do it, you've done it. Yeah. Which is inspiring. And I really can't tell anyone how to get in the gallery because I've never had to, you know, I've never had to actually go and submit to get into a gallery. Right. You see, but what I had was a product that a gallery was interested in because I was living this and putting that out there. So it was sort of the opposite. Instead of like, let me put together something so I can fit into there. It was like, you know, you've got something going on there and I think we need that. Mm -hmm. So. I think there's something to this truth thing. Now, I'm not saying doses of truth alone is going to do it. I mean, you, there has to be some balance, you know, one way or the other. You know, I'd be lying if I said that none of the things that I've experienced, you know, during my training uh, is, uh, you know, you know, uh, makes me what I am today. All of it becomes this collective thing. It's just how I it's just how I how I utilize all of these different things. So, yes, you have to understand some of these principles in order to compare some things to. 
I would say. But if you're a person that doesn't, then that's okay too. Because I, I, um, I, uh, I know I've been using like this music analogy. I, I play bass guitar, and I've come across um, some amazing like you know people on these instruments that like uh, I've never learned how to read music. I just can hear things, and then they express themselves. And it's the most amazing kind of thing. And I, I remember when I uh, first got started, I, I used, I, I played by ear. I just, you know, would pick the instrument and hear something and start to play it. And then I would express myself. And it wasn't until I started to, you know, do more of a formal breakdown of, of, of theory and things of that nature that it, it sort of tainted me, you know, it was like, well, wait a minute, that can't go in that chordal structure because that doesn't belong, you know, that that's not in that's that That's tricky that balance. You know, that, yeah. Then all of a sudden, I became something different because of that, you know, knowing that that sort of thing. So all I'm saying is there's like this fine line between, you know, there are a lot of artists out there that are creating, doing these amazing things. It's just not necessarily because they've had like a rigid, structured kind of like like training. It's because they are they are artists and 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 they they express themselves the way they express themselves in some cases. You know, on Saturday mornings years ago, I like doing woodworking. And mm -hmm. um, I wish I could do it more, but not enough time. Um, but years ago, I used to watch the New Yankee Workshop. This was before YouTube and everything. So that was like, yeah. that was I my, that. <laughs> yeah, you do. That was my dose yeah. of, of getting to watch someone do woodworking on a Saturday morning. Um, and, uh, but the thing about him, and you know, no offense to the New Yankee Workshop guy, I can't remember his name, but I remember, th I remember <laughs> often thinking, man, this guy, is so good with his tools and with his hands, but all he's doing is reproducing furniture that he's seeing in antique shops. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Excuse me. And, um, and he's not, he never designed anything. It was always just, mm -hmm. I saw this, I'm going to rebuild it. I saw that I'm going to rebuild it. I saw this, I'm going to rebuild it. And now in the YouTube age, I follow a lot of woodworkers and woodworking schools. And there are some schools out there where these incredible, young people are learning the same principles and even more probably than I saw in the Yankee workshop, except they're mm -hmm. being also being required to design from the ground up. Yes. Yeah. And they're doing this incredible furniture you've never seen before. I mean, it's mind blowing. Yes. I, there was this one piece where this guy carved branches out of like, he put laminated wood together and then carved branches. And then there would be box, boxes with drawers in them in bedded into the branches. This is the mm. most sculptural, most beautiful thing. It sounds kind of ridiculous, but when you see it, it was like, and so Gosh, this I, is, I, I, I think this is what you're saying. It's like, it's exactly they it. were told, yes. they were taught the principles and they were taught them rigidly, but at the same time, they were, they were expected to think creatively and not just rules. Is that what yes. you're telling me? Because I'm on Absolutely. the same. If that's what you're saying, I'm on 100% the same page. It's yes. uh, that's exactly what that's exactly what I'm saying. And 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 to reiterate what I said a little bit earlier, if you isolate someone and just say just do this, 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 in the most you know, um, in, in a way to where there's no creativity outside of you know beyond the principles of what you do. Then all of a sudden, you can't ask that person like ten years later to be like this amazing, expressive person when they haven't exercised that muscle. That doesn't mean that they can't. They just need to start to exercise something outside of 
what you see there. And that's all I'm saying is that, and that gets back to the, that's when I was like, wait a minute, how do I see this art? You know, I can go back to each one of those visual elements. How do I see color? Because just because you say color is color, because I, I used to think, you know, because we used to, oh gosh, this guy's a colorist because they would use like all these amazing colors. I was like, yeah, but you're not using any of those desaturated colors. You know, it's just all chroma. You know, so isn't a colorist that one that runs the entire uh, realm? It's interesting that you would say that because I define, personally, I define tonalist as not as someone who uses garish color, but as someone who uses a broad range of color, someone who exploits color in their paintings to create form and so on and so forth. Whereas a tonalist is someone who exploits value more than yep. color. No, I actually agree with you. Um, what I was saying is that when, when I was first get, when I was first out, you know, someone would say, oh, the colorist is, you know, and they're like, you know, showing me all of these things with these people with like, like very, very colorful things. And I was like, wait a minute, there's got to be more to this story than just that, you know? Yeah, anyone could um, squeeze a fluorescent tube of paint onto a canvas. That doesn't make them a colorist. No, exactly. I would say you're a colorist, but, even though you're, you work in grays. Because yes. you you clearly are exploiting differences in grays on a very sophisticated level. Absolutely, absolutely. I I I one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Well, let's. That's a good segue. Let's look at. Go ahead and look at some of your work here. First of all, I haven't said it yet, but I have been a huge fan forever, and I just think your work is off the charts. It's absolutely gorgeous. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I was looking at this before we got online and started recording and i was just mind blown not only with your color your sensitivity to to the, the to color but also your sensitivity to edges and one of the things that you've we've been talking about is this idea that if you're truly creative you have to abandon the rules and you are abandoning rules left and right on this face and yet it still comes together it still feels like a living, breathing person. So I just had to tell you that. It's just Thank extraordinary. You, you know, so I, I can tell you, you know, in my work, a lot of the people or the, the things that are referencing people, because <laughs> they're not anatomically correct by, you know, any stretch, are really just shape holder or placeholders for shapes. You know, mm -hmm. it, even though there's they're recognizable as figures, they become a part of the uh, um, the abstract design for me. Um, so in hmm. some cases, other than the breakdown of the, of the, you know, what they are, I don't see them any different than many of the other shapes that are, that are surrounding, but there's this, this balance of things, you know, uh, um, that happened during, happened during the, uh, you know, the, the creative process. So tell me about the creative and, process. How does that work? Okay. So I don't necessarily start out with the figure element every now and then I will do something like that. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I start laying down these, uh, I start breaking up the canvas into these masses, these shapes. And it truly is, uh, you know, this adventure in, uh, you know, placing, a, 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 you know, a shape down and then responding to that shape. So really, from an emotional standpoint, that's where it's like, well, how do I feel about this? And each day is different because I could be experiencing something. I could be thinking about something, you know, there, it, you know, there's a whole, I could be listening to a podcast, you know. Uh, anything could be, you know, uh, influencing whatever that dialogue is uh, during the course of that day. And 
when I stop is when I feel like I shouldn't be moving on the, on the work anymore. And then I'll let it go. Uh, and, and, and for me, it, it, it gives us a, a bit more of uh, this feeling of freshness to me, but it also allows the, the painting time to breathe. You know, it has to, it has to breathe and you have to, you know, you know, you, you have to move away from it for a little bit in order to, uh, 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 at least for me to continue. And when the time is right, so I may say, for example, move on to another work and then I'll look across the studio and go, then there's like a, an aha moment, like, my mind, soul, heart, and body says, you need to go over there and place this down there. And it might be for that one moment, or it might be for several moments working there, or it could be for the rest of the day. It just depends. And then I may go back to whatever I was working on or, or, or something else. And so there's this constant movement um, until I find this uh, balance, uh, harmonious balance between all the elements. And then hmm. that's when I stop, no matter what finish it is. So like how do you know scribble. when to put a figure in? I mean, so you, you're going completely abstract, completely non-objective. At what point does it evolve into a figure? So, you know, and that happens at various stages. Um, sometimes, you know, it could be in the middle of the, you know, I might see a shape that reminds me of something. And then there, a figurative sort of uh, dialogue comes out of that. Uh, um, in this case, you know, I think may have started the uh uh the the the, the, the female ish shapes before i even considered that that male shape and then there was this big that big dark uh mass of tone on the other side and then it all of a sudden became like this figurative element when it was all said and done so what you're doing so, is and, kind of like what many of us did in in elementary school where we'd scribble on our paper and then we're like oh i think i see a face in there yeah, it could you're be, doing a very sophisticated like form of that. Yes, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> You've mastered yeah. so, the scribble. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. You know, the wow. the uh, Cy Twombly. Uh, you know, he, he has a, those sort of scribbly kind of things going on in his work, which I really enjoy too. Wow, man. So okay. this one is actually on a curved panel. Curved? What do you mean? It curves the bows in the so middle? It's, yeah, it bows. You, you can't really tell on this, uh, you know, uh, person oh, that has it. It's like this, uh, this interesting shape to it. Um, so when you just see, okay, let's say you see, you see a face, you know, there needs to be a face here. Then do you mm -hmm. go and collect reference, find a model, get reference? I mean, how, how do you go from there? No, usually I just start painting because, you know, after you've seen a, enough faces, you can kind of get a feel for if, you, if something resonates with you as a face. Now, if I do need to have, uh, you know, more reference, I'll certainly like either hire a model or, 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 you know, if I feel as though I need it. But these people, they technically don't exist. So it, it could be anyone that would give me a reminder of something, you know, and then that's what I put down, if that makes any sense. So, so some of these faces so these are, are made not, up. Yeah, yeah. That, a lot of it <laughs> that's you, really you, impressive i never would have guessed that yeah yeah they they definitely are they do not exist in this they don't exist unbelievable i'd say the ones that are mostly like well like you said these three that you have here they would be the ones that were most uh, direct so far from what i've uh, what you have on the screen there but so the most but even these, that these faces are made up you mean or direct it, observation they yes, except for they were even direct. But so even when I was painting like like a, a live model, like I would do it like a portrait, 
uh, or something like that, I started to to drift. So so these things didn't kind of they didn't happen overnight. There's like this evolution of uh, of this dialogue. So I might be in the middle of painting a portrait and feel like I need to move in a different di direction. And I would kind of modify or change things while I was like, like in real time, they kind of moved me away from, you know, what the reality was, but it was good for the painting. So it wasn't about, so that's what I'm saying. It wasn't solely about like this, just this transference. It became heart, soul, and what I felt should be done on the canvas. And so mm. I started to move away from that as I continued. Wow. Uh, to paint. Yeah. So, okay. So show me, well, let me, we'll go to another section here. Let's go to your portraits or ordinary people is what you called it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. These are so incredible. Just, just incredible. So yeah, show me one that was done from that, observation that, as opposed to oh, one that was from imagination. Kind of hard. <laughs> um like this one here feels like it's actually, from observation yeah but there's still some modifications in it there, there's right. always going to be so it's a mix. there's always modifications it says these these people don't like really yeah right right well they're very convincing so yeah. is Klimt uh, is Klimt one of your uh one of the people you look to for inspiration by any chance i do love Klimt, you know and egon Sheely. i i wouldn't you know, because I get that this question, you know, it was like, are you, you know, and I was like, no, Clint was actually moving, you know, in a, he, he was more, you know, he had this art deco-ish kind of stylistic kind of way of doing his, you know, some of his shapes. So I'm not trying to do that. Uh, well, no, obviously uh, yours is very in, different. In the work, but yeah, yeah definitely, I would say he was, a, a, you know, I'll tell you what I like about, um, you know, his work. It's just his control of shape, you know, mm -hmm. he could have a gazillion shapes, you know, down, uh, you know, on his, 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 uh, you know, one of his compositions, but I'd never lose sight of what shapes they belong to. Like if I'm looking at it, like squinting at it in a major way, there's always these, this movement of these shapes made out of like tons of like smaller pieces that create these large masses. So if I had to take anything away from what, you know, uh, what I, Feel is happening, which I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking this. It's just me, you know. I'm doing just like that person that I was telling you said I want to paint Ron Hicks, you know. <laughs> um, I'm sort of saying this is what I, you know. I kind of pulled from uh, a lot of his uh, his paintings, yeah. but the, those splotches, or if you will, these these interesting shapes, they become like this. Uh, these ins they they are like part of that conversational uh, dialogue. Yeah, and. Uh, and some of it, uh, you know, and I, you know, as I'm looking at this particular painting, you know, it usually starts off with some of those uh, uh, those darker masks. Those are some of the first shapes that were down, like to sort of break it up before that that like before that figurative aspect even became a, a part of the uh, um, um, uh, dialogue. There was it was it was it was it was it was those like those 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 chunkier pieces of shapes that started to add up, and then uh, there was a more of a figurative thing that was happening in it. Um, and, and so to the point of why, why am I, you know, I've always considered myself, a, you know, a, a figurative artist. So I don't know if that'll ever, ever change. Um, I think that um, there's something about the figure and, uh, you know, we're talking about this emotive uh, element, even though I, I allow people to feel free to interpret it any kind of way they want to. Uh, but there's something about having the, the, um, 
the human uh, element in, in, in the middle of this um, abstract dialogue, even though I consider it all to be abstract dialogue, but there's something about recognizable abstract shapes that uh, tend to, you know, have, you know, someone contemplating it in a different way than they might have if it was just completely like non-objective. So um, I do like that aspect of, uh, you know, in, in the work. I absolutely agree. Some, some, most of my favorite artists are doing some combination of, I mean, like you said, it's all abstract. I get that, but doing right. some some combination of representational and completely mm -hmm. abstract. I just find it. It's to go back to that food analogy. It's like it's like having a great dinner feast and a great dessert. It's like all in mm -hmm. one package. Just, I absolutely love it, and it is what draws me to your work. So I want to pull. I want to come back to the home page because I want to ask you about. Um, your application of paint. So you, mm -hmm. you must, do you work on stretch canvas or panel? First of all, uh, panel panel. Yes. Okay. I wondered because you are caking they, they can on get pretty the textural. paint. Um, yeah. You're caking it on. So tell me about some of these textures. I mean, you, what, what kinds of tools do you implement <laughs> or do you, do you have favorite tools or are you just grabbing whatever you can find? I, I just grab whatever. See, that's the beauty of it. So I was, I'm reminded of a, you know, a, a bass player, Victor Wooten, he used to play with Bela Fleck and the Flecktones uh, back in the day. Uh, actually, he might still do that occasionally, but he was um, talking about his music and he said that, you know, he's a bass guitar player and he says, you know, but I'm an, I'm an artist. And he was saying something to the effect of, I should be able to pick up you know, any instrument and play it. And I was like, that's interesting. And he says, because like, say I pick up a, uh, picked up a trumpet, you know, I could make music with that trumpet. Whether I was blowing it or not, I should be able to to, to utilize whatever materials, uh, whatever I have available to do to, to make music with that, you know, with that instrument. And likewise, I should be able to listen to whatever comes out of that, you know, like a musician, you know, playing something like that. And then on my bass guitar, emulate some of those, you know, uh, voicings or phrasings, you know, in, in my work. And I thought, well, that's pretty amazing. So when I started to think about this, uh, um, uh, these these compositions. Uh, this is an excellent opportunity to get variety in not only shape, value, edges, but textural things. You know, from thinner paints to like thicker paints. So, and it all becomes a part of the the, the dialogue and the story. So, mm. and, and there's there's quite there's this balance, and, and and I can't tell you how I come to the conclusion, but I just know when it's done. And, and that's the difference between when I was working. You know, when we were having conversations about my earlier days. Right. I've well, ruined a few paintings that way, you know, back in the day where, you know, I go, gosh, I, I think I, you know, if it, you know, it, it is possible to, to overwork something to kill it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So in order to speed up the process a little bit, are you ever using acrylics for these really thick textures or are you just always in oil? No, it's always oil. That's and and what I what I like about oils is that they just are, they just behave differently unless you really modify the acrylic paint. Um, you mm. know, and I I haven't Matt, you know I've seen some people do it. I have never tried it. I I I just have to wait around for a little bit. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes you know, like uh, I like uh, I was making my own um, um, uh, white paint, lead white paint, as a matter of fact. Um, and so I can control you know its consistency and things of that nature too. So I can get some very you know. Um, uh, you know, textural layers with how, how much pigment I put in it and, you know, versus, oh, you know, wow. how little, yeah. Wow. So, 
so a lot of so I control a lot of that dialogue. Well, that's great. Well, my final question for you is one that I ask most, if not all, of my guests, and that is: if you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring artist, what would it be? You know where I'm going to go about because <laughs> I've been preaching it the entire time. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, okay. Let's sum know, it up then. Let's let's do a little I would summary. Say, you know, there are hundreds, millions. Who knows? Uh, artists kind of, you know, uh, you know, in this world. And it's the, the question is, if you're living what your truth is, that's probably going to be what I would, the advice I would give is live your truth so that you can be who you are. And that's not to say there's going to be, you know, uh, in, there's not going to be moments when there's not any kind of crossover. Just live what your heart and soul says, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't paint for this the sake of, uh, 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 of, of making a painting or because someone told you to do something like that, really seek to understand what it, your contribution to the art world will be. And I think uh, that's the best advice I would give. I appreciate that. It's been a huge honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for pleasure. coming and chatting with me. <laughs> no, my pleasure. <laughs> Don't stop the podcast just yet. As is often the case when I record a podcast, I talked to the guest privately for a few minutes before saying goodbye. In this case, I was still recording and Ron Hicks said some more really good stuff. So because I couldn't really mix it seamlessly into the podcast, I'm going to put it right here on the end and we'll call it a bonus reel. So enjoy this extra content from Ron Hicks. Well, too, because I think the drawing is good, but then the drawing of shape and relationships, that's like it, it, an abstract concept. And I think that was something that was huge for me. Yeah. Um, it's like, like, what do you actually see? And a lot of people will look at it in terms of like massing in, but I think it can go even a little bit deeper than that, even, you know, and then you know, taking those shapes and, and, and investing your, investing the time to really discover what those mean to you, you know, because, you know, once you break things down to its simplest form, um, you know, there's a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's hard for them to kind of even fathom the concept. He says, I don't understand what do you mean, you know, break these down, you know, there's light and shadow. I said, yeah, there is. But if you, if you almost have to use your imagination when you're seeing things abstractly because, yeah. and I almost hate to use that term because that means um, that realism is the, is the, is, is, is the only way. And I just think that, you know, we, as people, it's impossible for me to see, like, even if we were painting the same thing at the same time in like right next to each other, we would see things very, very differently in terms of color. You, we physically. Yeah. Like would, you and Kwong um, Ho on stage. Yeah. yeah. Totally different. Yeah. We just, we just are just, just different people. And so that alone is just an abstract concept. So I don't, you know, I was talking with Dan Sprick, you know, at, at one of uh, another talk that I had and, um, and and we were we were actually want I want to get back into this conversation with him because he he was saying you know I was telling him I was like well is realism truly realism <laughs> yeah because you know everybody says why well, I, I you know I don't like the term abstract I says well well is realism really realism if you and I cannot agree that our you know, our brain is processing, our eyes are processing, you know, our emotionally we're processing everything on the same level. Is realism actually real? Uh, or is, is that an abstract concept as well? You know, and that, and we're just deciphering, you know, probably making sense of it because things are more, you know, uh, usually more recognizably, uh, you know, obvious uh, uh, in the work. But, you know, I can tell you how many times I've been next to another artist and like, you know, you, you think we were in two different worlds, only the subject matter is the same. 
and, uh, and it's just like, oh, well, they're obviously painting the same things, but completely different. So I think that's an abstract concept. Oh, and you can take that even further, make it a more scientific argument even, because, you know, I was just going over an exercise with my students about simultaneous contrast with color. And uh, mm. I demonstrated in front of them, I was mixing, I had two swatches of, of well, like a lime green and a hot pink next to each other from the paint chip store. <laughs> wow. And I, I was trying to mix the hot pink on the lime green swatch and oh, i matched it i matched it perfectly right and everyone agreed but then i took the paint right off of the lime green swatch and i put it onto the pink swatch and it was way off so yeah. realism or not <laughs> right it looked real though we all agreed it was the right color but it wasn't yeah so even on a even that's an awesome exercise yeah even on an, <laughs> even on a scientific level color theory level truth is totally not how we perceive it it's and that's why i say we we definitely have to discover ourselves because yeah. we just have an individual way of processing things so we need to understand who we are and what we are no matter whether you're doing realism or if you're like Joan Mitchell, you know, yeah. um, you, you, you need to understand what that is and, and, and conceptually even getting beyond that, you know, I would say, you know, um, cause we kind of talked about it, you know, you just, you just can't be just a robot either, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, nothing against ateliers, but I've seen some ateliers turning out some students that are like almost carbon copies of each other yeah. and very few of them set out and, 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 and distinguish themselves from like, like the other ones. So what, how do I know this is you is, 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 is really, uh, um, thing. Can a person have more than one truth? Because I genuinely feel like I do. And because I can mm -hmm. easily feel comfortable going back to what I was doing, where I was having fun with abstraction and figures, but I also feel like I'm being myself when I'm doing the biblical stuff. Do you feel like that's well, me just lying to myself? I mean, I'm be completely honest and frank with me, or do you feel no, like everyone has just one truth? No, and I don't. I don't know. I think everyone does have one truth, but that doesn't mean it's it's centered around one action does that make oh, sense yeah i like that so what i'm saying is you're an artist because you're an artist right so if, if you look at my work it you know and, and i can go back all the way to like when i was in in 94 there's always this thread happening between the the works you know so it's so a lot of people go well, oh my god you changed but i you know I, I i really can't say that i have because my philosophy when i started thinking the way that i think now is the same as it was then it's just now I'm, I'm 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 just more comfortable with leaving some things either uncovered or exploring in other areas and adding that to some of the uh, the, the dynamics but the way i start generally is very very similar than what i was doing you know way way back in the day so i don't know i think your truth is your truth but i think how you apply that truth is it, you know it it, it it can change now if you are like probably that. yeah yeah, because I, 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 I guarantee you, if you showed me some of that 
um, the, the older work and I put it aside one of your, your pieces now, I guarantee there's going to be a thread. So what I'm saying is there's like this, there's still this thread of, right. of who you okay. are. Okay, I artist. see what you're saying. So your, your truth is not, it's not like an, it's not an absolute, like if you're not doing this, see, it's, I don't like to put like these boxes around like everything because right. then that's when you, you have no room for growth. But if you're not operating to me in, in what your truth is, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, you know, the purest you, you know, as opposed to, you know, trying to be whoever it is that you think you should be as an artist, then that, that's when it's like anti, um, creativity. So like, say for example, um, if I loved, uh, who's like Ken Day Wiley, if I loved his figures, right. And I started cranking out things with those backgrounds and stuff like that, you know, that's just not me because mm -hmm. I thought if I put it out there because I thought it was cool, you know, it's like, eh, you know, it wouldn't be me. Could I do it? Probably. You yeah. know, I don't know. Or something similar, maybe not exactly like what he's doing, but I, I could do that. But if I did that, I would be painting in a pretentious, a pretentious way. So that's not part of my truth. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I got you. that would not fall under the umbrella of what my truth is, you know, but if you're moving back between like, you know, you know, adding some of these, these, this abstract dialogue with your, your figurative thing, that is, that's a part of your, 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 your dialogue and you've been doing it for a number of years. So I, I don't see that not being a part of your truth. So I took a workshop from an artist. Well, first of all, you said, could I look like him? Yeah, I probably could. I am an absolute chameleon. When I was in college, I my work always looked just like every single professor. So if I was studying with this guy, it looked just like his. If I was studying with that guy, it mm -hmm. looked like him, and so on. And um, students would confuse my work for the teachers all the time. And uh, it, and I consider it, um, I consider it a gift that I have and a curse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a curse because I could be anybody I want to be, and that's not healthy. A gift because it helps me help me learn quickly, right? Because I mm -hmm. could really absorb what they were teaching. I learned it fairly quickly. Um, but that said, now that I'm more mature as an artist, at least I, I think I am. <laughs> um, recently, I did a workshop with an artist who I absolutely admire, and I just think he's a way better painter than I am. And but I did this online workshop with him, thinking maybe I could learn something. Turns out. I can't because the only way I can change is to change my personal aesthetic or as you put it, my truth, because the academic side of it, he doesn't know anything. I don't know. At least he didn't share anything. I don't mm -hmm. know. So I found myself when I went back to my next painting going, should I do what he did? And then go, no, 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 that's not how I like it. Even though <laughs> I like his paintings better than mine, when it comes mm -hmm. right down to making the stroke, I always choose the way I tend to do it. I just go right yeah. back to that, even though I know it's going to produce a result that I don't like as much as his. And but but the individual decisions always end up the same. It's like that's that's just the way I naturally tend to. That's the decision I tend to choose. I tend to paint this way. So, so I consider that part of your just your innate truth, right? And that's, that's where you should be operating. Yeah. Now. I was, I can, I can share this with you. I, I, someone had sent me something and I can't think of the guitarist name, but he said uh, something similar to what you were saying. He's like, I started having all these influence from different guitars. You know, there's this person and this person and this person. He said, all of a sudden, you know, after, and I don't, it, it seemed like it was quite a few. He said, all of a sudden, when I couldn't tell the difference between 
who any of those individuals were that was influencing, I, I finally realized it was me. Mm. So you could have like all of these influences from various sources and things of that nature that become a part of what your, what your truth is. Um, uh, you know, and, and it just melds together in, in such a way to where it's not, um, you know, you can't go, it's that, it's that, or it's that. Because truthfully, nowadays, you know, especially as long as, you know, art has been around, there's not a whole lot that hasn't been done in some form or fashion or some kind of way yeah. anyway. I mean, it just isn't. Mm -hmm. You know, someone can always go, oh, that reminds me of that. Oh, that reminds me of that. There's always going to be that, 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 that sort of thing unless, unless there's something waiting out there that I, I haven't seen. Yeah, but I think it's always going to be. Yeah, I don't know. Once you've smeared poop on the Virgin Mary, you've you've done everything, or signed exactly. a urinal. <laughs> yeah, you've done everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so I just think as as your collective truth goes, you're operating in that space, and that's where you where you should be as an artist. Yeah, that's good stuff, yeah. man. Thanks for tuning in to the Undraped Artist Podcast. If you enjoyed it, subscribe, and if you could leave a comment or review, that really helps the channel. Please share the show with your friends, and if you're feeling generous, consider a monthly donation at theundrapedartist.com. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week.